We interview a young man from the Kingston Polygamy Group next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to today's program. Uh, A few weeks ago, with his permission on one of our shows, we read a comment from a young man as he revealed some work experiences as a young boy being raised in the Kingston Polygamy Group. After he gave permission for me to share his remarks, he also agreed to be interviewed as a guest on our program. So first, I'd like to read a portion of what he wrote and then introduce him and learn more of his story. He had been talking about being sent to the Kingston-owned farm in the Tetons in Idaho, basically used as slave labor. He described getting up every morning at 5 o'clock and moving the irrigation pipes and being paid 10 cents for each pipe he moved. Now that's heavy and hard work. And then he would take a breakfast break and a short rest and then back to work for the rest of the day. I'd like to quote some of what he said. Making $7.25 an hour, if that, for eight straight hours. Then move pipe again in the evening. Then do chores at the farmhouse, eat dinner, go to bed, and do it all again the next day and every day. End quote. He said that the workers are basically cheap child labor and don't actually see any of the money they earn. And on top of all that, they are charged room and board for the food they eat and the bed they sleep in. The ages of these child workers, he said, are very often under 16 years old. This was the experience of our guest. So I would like to introduce and welcome Caleb Owen. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you. Thanks for agreeing to come. And my pleasure. share your story. And that really interested me when you made the, those remarks. It was on a private Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I asked you if you had a story that you would like to share with mm-hmm. people. When people come out of polygamy, uh, when they come out of private groups like these, sometimes they're afraid to talk about their experiences for various mm-hmm. reasons. And so I'm glad, especially a male very rarely we'll talk about their experiences. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you're here, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, so we're going to talk about your story and what's happened to you and why and how you left uh, and, and all that goes around that. But first, let's talk about, let's start for, first with your families. Uh, some families in the I know in the Kingston Polygamy Group were not polygamous. Were your parents polygamous? I know they were not, but that's not for lack of my father's trying. <laughs> <laughs> What was the lack of? <laughs> well, he he personally believes in polygamy as a way to receive salvation. And I believe, I personally believe this. I believe that he would, if he could, take another wife. But my mother is very headstrong and wouldn't let that happen as well as, I guess, apparently they consider themselves happily married. Uh-huh. Well, that's good that they consider mm-hmm. themselves happily married. And you know what? I know of families. I have sisters who have done that in the in the Kingston group who, who had just not allowed their their uh, husbands to take plural wives. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That saves them a lot of heartbreak. But doesn't your father feel like maybe he's being cheated out of a high degree of glory? Is that a problem with the situation? Oh, that's one thing that I've always been curious about because he's not really very open about many things. 
but I have noticed that in the we in the months and in fact the year before I actually left, he'd been attending a lot more priesthood classes, going to Salt Lake City almost every month or every every week of every month for from January to March, just priesthood class after priesthood class, trying mm -hmm. to learn how to re receive the next level, which according to their own doctrine, you cannot receive unless you practice polygamy. Mm, that was going to be my next question. So uh, do you think that he will finally end up living polygamy, or is your mother pretty adamant about this? I feel that eventually it's going to get to the point where it's going to be kind of a choice between the two of them, mm. whether they... Because I don't personally think she'll ever let it happen. I don't think he's ever going to get his way. Yeah. And I think he's not as in as favored in the church as he likes to think he was hmm. because because I've, of it huh? i've i've noticed since i've left that my family have they, they won't say anything to me because i'm now ex order but i know from experience that once a family member leaves the rest of the family is kind of ostracized even inside the order they're not given as much opportunities and i personally have seen young women who've got, grown to the age of 18 without ever being married, uh -huh. which is shocking in the order. It is, yeah. And I might want to mention right now that um, Caleb has mentioned the word order a few times. That's what insiders, members call the Kingston Group, is called mm -hmm. the order, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's based on the United Order format, so they just shorten it to the order. Mm -hmm. When I was in it, we would call it the co-op. Mm -hmm. because its name was the Davis County Cooperative Society. Mm -hmm. So it goes by the co-op or the order, or the Kingston group or the Kingston clan, but it's still mm -hmm. all the same organization. Mm -hmm. um, so um, so your, your dad never took another wife. Um, how many siblings do you have then, just, uh, just from have, your mother? I'm going to have to count here. <laughs> because I always get, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say eight, including myself. Uh-huh. But we do have a couple more that were adopted because they kept running away from home. Oh, they, they ran oh. away from the Roundy Group, which is another polygamous group in Territon. Oh. And they, it, their names, I won't mention them, but they did um, run away several times. And they were taken in by my, my, by my family until they came of age. Uh -huh. One of them has completely left all polygamous groups and lives a very happy life. Mm -hmm. um, somewhere in Burley, Idaho, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the other one is married inside the order. Really? Mm -hmm. My goodness. So you have eight, eight plus two adopted mm -hmm. ones. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's a, that's a nice large myself. family. And, and most polygamous families are large, mm -hmm. even if it's just from one wife. They're still mm -hmm. large families. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you agreed to do the interview with me, I asked you, I sent you an email and I asked you the question, why you agreed to the interview and what specific topics that you wanted to discuss. Mm -hmm. And so, because, you know, I want you to discuss what's comfortable with you and not mm -hmm. to talk about anything that is uncomfortable for you. But you said, I want to talk about what life is like in the outer edges of the cult. And, of course, this would be the fringes. Mm -hmm. So that was the first point. So mm -hmm. were you and your family on the outer edges? Were you at the fringes of the case? We kind group? of were, because, like, you have the main church, I guess, I don't know what you'd call them, maybe wards, that's what the term they use in the Mormon church. There's the main ward, which is the Damon Palmer building here in Salt Lake City, where the, where the vast majority of the members go to church. We have the first and second ward, the morning and afternoon churches. And then we have one more down, I'm drawing a blank, but we called it the mine down mm -hmm. there. We have one down, down in there, Huntington. Mm -hmm. In Huntington, Utah, yes. And then we have one more up in Teton, and I'm, and I'm now just being told that they have another one in Territon. The ones in Teton and Territon are the 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 smallest the mm, ones the small ones 
the one in Terraton, honestly, we have three families there that are part of the group. And, and, and Terraton is a small town in Idaho. Yes, it's right. a very, very small town. Okay. It has literally one grocery store, and it's more of a convenience store now yeah. than anything. So how did they treat the fringe families? They Explain kind of that. really didn't exist on a large scale. For instance, we'd every Sunday we'd have to go to church, as in as that's the rules. You you can't break the rules; it's just an unwritten law. You'd go to church every Sunday, and you'd come back, and you'd go to co-op training every week, every Wednesday, or of every first Wednesday of the month, and it was just a. A continual thing. Well, it's co-op training. Co-op training is more of just like training young people to work for the co-op. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Through biblical <laughs> teachings that explain to children that overworking them at a young age is okay. Yeah, right. But, uh. Well, the, the thing was, it's a very long drive. It's about an hour to get to the Teton Church, which from where Territon is, and the majority of the families, there's three of us, and they're big families. We don't we don't make a lot of money because the order, you know, keeps the wages and we get we get what we can out if it's with their will. Right, right. As a result, uh, gas money is very scarce and it's, people have tr trouble getting up there every week. So one of the, the, the church leader up here in Teton actually went down to Brother Paul and asked him if he would be willing to let us create another group in Territon so they wouldn't have to drive that far every Sunday because he said, and I quote, this is what he said in church, I remember it to this day, I asked him... Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it now. <laughs> Let's see, let me give me... Uh, I got it now. I got it. So, he said, well, people can't afford not to go to church. That's exactly what he said. Oh. In other words, we can't afford... Can't afford the gas, the gas to, go, to go. But you can't, can't afford, afford not to. to go. So, instead of Catch solving the too. situation and giving us yeah. another church, which was closer and less expensive... He blew us off and just left it at that. And that's just a normal thing. It's just huh. people didn't even bat an eye when they heard it because, of course, Brother Paul's right. But that was that's literally the extent of how much they talk about the group in Territon. Mm -hmm. Other than mm -hmm. that, it's like we don't even exist. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, so you were, what, now being a fringe family, would that be like, well, you weren't part of the Kingston family or the Kingston bloodline? No. Would that be have any bearing on it at all? Just That would, yes. I believe it would. They'll deny it up and down, but we weren't, we're, we're the Owens. We kind of helped found the group. Uh-huh, you did. Yes, but the Owens did. we are not Kingstons, and apparently because we're, we're ha, my, my mom's a part of the Peterson family, and they left a couple of times, came back in. It was kind of an in-and-out thing, mm -hmm. and as a result, they were given the rumor that they had black blood right, in them, right. which was a to, huge to problem. To them, that's a big problem. To them, it's a problem, yes. Yeah. To any other rational human being, it's no more strange than having blonde hair. <laughs> That's right. But as a result, my family's kind of been kept on the outside, and as is pretty much anyone that's related to us, because now we're supposedly tainted. Uh huh. Because you've got Peterson in your heritage, mm -hmm. right? Right. And my family was on the fringe too, by the way. The Hansons. Mm -hmm. um, my grand, my grandfather was part of the um, the initial signers um, in the as they began the group, you know, mm -hmm. and and so he was one of the charter members at the beginning, but it, mm -hmm. we weren't Kingston, mm -hmm. and my mother didn't marry a Kingston, and mm -hmm. so therefore we were fringe family too, but we were required to to be as faithful and as hardworking and give them all our money just like everybody else was mm -hmm. as well. So, but you made yeah, even they, less. They treat yeah, you make less and you're treated worse. Mm -hmm. Um, you said 
one of the things you wanted to talk about was you said, I want to kind of touch on how the order affects young people with mental issues. So I would like you to explain the mental issues that you saw in the group and the results of their treatment. What What is that all well, about? Well, like, people um, would, would joke about homosexuality. They would mock people with disabilities. And, and, and basically just like, suicide was more of a joke to them. It's just not a real thing. But I remember quite vividly there's a story of this young girl and her three friends. or I'm not sure. If, I think they were half-sisters. I don't know. The bloodline is so mixed up in the Kingston mm -hmm. family. But either way, they all had a suicide pact to kill themselves because they wanted to leave the order. Mm -hmm. But as but one of them couldn't take it and killed themselves early, and mm -hmm. the rest saw the impact of what it had done, and should they that one of the women was remarried to my cousin, mm. and to this day they still probably have mental issues. They're not getting any help for them. People who are homosexual are taken to private classes with Brother Paul, and I heard this from Brother Paul's brother's son. One, from one of his favorite wives, I might add, mm -hmm. who told me about how they would be taken into these classes and explained how their attraction to the same sex is wrong and how they can fix it just by believing differently. And mm -hmm. that's just a number of things. And I, I know I mentioned mental disorder, but to me, homosexuality is no more mental disorder than being attracted to a female if you're a male. Well, but they treat it, they treat different these different mental disorders other than how the love of God would mm -hmm. want us to treat according mm -hmm. to the Bible. They say mm -hmm. they use the Bible, but they really don't because no. Jesus said we're supposed to love everybody, love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. uh, sinners, we're all sinners. Mm -hmm. And and we can't just say, well, I don't like you because your sin is different mm -hmm. than mine. Um, and um, and that's the way they that's the way mm -hmm. they treat. Now on that suicide pact, we were doing the show the live show on TV twenty at that time mm -hmm. uh, in two thousand and eleven. It was mm -hmm. the beginning of two thousand and eleven, mm -hmm. and I had received a, an anonymous email from one of the people that was in the pact, mm -hmm. and she was really concerned about it. And so we did a show, a special show, opening up the telephone lines for anybody to call in from the Kingston group and give us any information. They they could do it anonymously. They didn't mm -hmm. have to give names or anything so that we could help any of the girls that was involved mm -hmm. with that pack. Mm -hmm. And after that show, I got an email from the girl who had started it. And she said, this isn't the way it was supposed to work. The pact is off. But somehow or other, I never did find out who it was so that I could never talk to them and try and mm -hmm. encourage them myself. But later, one of the girls did commit suicide. She hung mm -hmm. herself in the garage, didn't she? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and nobody gets any any issues, any counseling, no help they, from any. That doesn't exist. The doctor's office is is like a joke to them. They don't even believe in going to the doctor. Yeah. Like me being, I when I was young, I had my arm pulled out of my socket. I don't remember the details exactly because I was Ooh. very very little, but I don't remember ever going to hospital. Yeah. I to this day the only time I've ever been to hospital is. When I had, when I stepped on a rake and it was a rusted rake and it drove through my heel, but it didn't draw blood, so I most likely had tetanus because my parents never oh, gave yeah, me any vaccines. Yeah, yeah. So I, then I was taken to hospital, but they still wouldn't let me get any vaccines to prevent tetanus. Really? Nope. So what I, they do? Just clean out the wound and hope for the best? Apparently. Oh my god. I've actually gone to hospital myself, and actually my doctor, and I've actually been trying to get my own vaccinations done because. 
I would like to live. <laughs> and, and live an abundant, healthy life, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the other quirks that, mm -hmm. the, that the Kingston group has. I think all the polygamy groups do to a certain degree, but especially the Kingston group. They don't believe in doctors. They don't believe in doctors. They don't believe in, in, uh, in taking care of yourself in, in, a, in a modern medical fashion mm -hmm. at all. That's why I'm really grateful for my mother because she, even she, she doesn't really believe in vaccines, at least from what I understand, but she's still willing to take us to the doctor, take us to the dentist, get my wisdom, she got my wisdom teeth pulled and all these different things that most likely wouldn't have happened if it was just up to someone else. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you have a mother that uh, was very loving and kind mm -hmm. and cared a little more than some of them have. Um, the next thing I want, you said you wanted to talk about was you said, I want to talk about how it is now that I've left and mm -hmm. found out that the outside isn't as evil as they said it is. It's now, realistically, everywhere we go in this world, we're going to find sin and evil. Mm -hmm. Everywhere we go, outside the mm -hmm. group, but there's also much evil inside the mm -hmm. polygamy group. What kind of evils did they warn you about, and how did you discover that it's not all the way they said it was? Well, they mainly just mentioned that they they constantly went over the fact that only in the order can you live all of God's laws, only in the order can you love one another and be part of a group where you treat each other as God intended and live your life in a manner pleasing to God. And now that I've left, I look back and think, see, I volunteer at the homeless shelter as often as I can. I would never be allowed to do that in the order. They don't believe in helping That's right, anyone they don't. outside the mm -hmm. order. They don't. For an, another example is like they would t they would explain how you wouldn't be able to make it outside the order. The only way you can survive is inside the order, where they provide you a home, they provide you with food, they provide you with money, all three of which are bald faced lies. Yeah, yeah. Because now that I've left, I've found if I want to go go to the movies and watch a movie, I there's nothing stopping me, but. I just have to make sure I have money and have the day off from work. And you don't have a guilt trip going, like they nope. would give you a huge guilt trip mm -hmm. for going and spending the money. When I actually left, I had to go through three different, I called three different people to get a hold of the person to give me my money. And I, I actually had a pretty good ruse. I planned to go to college and I'd been telling people in the group beforehand. So I kind of feel pretty clever about that. And I actually had to fight for like, half an hour, half a day almost, just trying to get the money. And they finally sent me $3,000. And even then, the check was intercepted by my father, who kept it for a bit. And they finally relented and gave it to me. And I put a down payment on an apartment, and I moved out mm -hmm. in November. Mm -hmm. And to this day, like I, I remember vividly the first time that I tried to get money out of my bank. I have a bank account now. And I remember going to, the, going to, the, going to my aunt, who handles the money for the order up in Territon, and... You'd have to go to her, you'd have to call the place, you'd have to get an authorization number, you'd have to make sure the money was on your statement, and you get it signed out, and then you get, get the cash. Mm -hmm. And that whole procedure can take 10, 15 minutes. I went to the bank, and I walked in, and I started to give this great big long explanation <laughs> on why I needed the money so I could go to the fair. <laughs> to the teller, huh? To the bank mm -hmm. teller. And she couldn't have cared less. Yeah. She just handed me the 50, and I walked out. And you know, people who are watching the show don't have a clue what that does to us when when we're raised having to to beg for every penny that we want to spend and, and then get lectured, well, you don't need that much money, you don't need mm -hmm. money for that, and sometimes won't give it to you or not give you as much as you ask for and so on, mm -hmm. and then go into the outside world where you go to a bank, and there's so much difference in the way you're mm -hmm. treated, but, but unless they've experienced that 
mm-hmm. that horrible uh, treatment, they can't imagine the difference mm-hmm. it is to us. Yeah, like to this day, I still, whenever like I, like whenever I, I get hungry, I can, I can go into my kitchen and I can eat food. Or sometimes like when I work at a, I work at a fast food place and, and to this day, like still shocks me to be able to walk in and reach into my pocket and pull out my wallet and there'll be <laughs> money in there. And I hand them my money and they give me food and it's food that I can have. Yeah. That yeah. like, it's mine. I paid for it with my money that I worked that for. That you worked and for. And they gave you a paycheck for. Mm-hmm. They didn't just They gave me a paycheck precisely every exactly. other week at 4 p.m. on Thursday. Every time. And it's without fail. So tell me something, Caleb. When, when I left um, and I would spend money, even mm-hmm. though I had worked for it the same as you, get a mm-hmm. job, earn the money, get the paycheck, so on, I would have guilt trips spending that money. Mm-hmm. Did, did you or do you still have those still, guilt trips? all the time. Like, I feel have... like the worst person ever when I like treat myself to like an ice cream cone. Like today on the trip down to Salt Lake City, we stopped at a Dairy, Dairy Queen and I got a dipped cone. And that was the first time I've ever had a dip cone in my entire oh, life. Really? Oh, really? And my. it was like the greatest thing ever. But after <laughs> I ate it, I felt like that was a colossal waste of money. But then, I, but then like, even now, like, I'm just trying to convince myself, you know, it was an ice cream cone. Yeah. You were hungry. You needed a snack. You know, the, the Bible tells us that God makes all things for us to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as long as we are living the right kind, you know, you didn't steal the money. You didn't hike a bank to get the money mm-hmm. or anything. You, it's well hard-earned money. Mm-hmm. You can buy yourself a dip cone. <laughs> There's no problem. That, that's like, God doesn't care. <laughs> that, that, like, reminds me of another situation. Um, I've only had Nesquik. I don't know if you ever heard of Nesquik, uh-huh. the drink mix. Yeah. I've had it twice in my life. The first time I was staying at my uncle's house and he'd left the order. He's a Mormon and he'd left the order, but he had some and we were staying there and he let me have some. And then the other day we were shopping a few days before we came down and we saw the can of Nesquik and I remembered I'd I'd been wanting it because it's it's a good drink Uh and we bought it. And I have that at home. And I have a picture of me <laughs> posing next to the can with a glass I of it. I love it. It's the greatest thing ever. It's the most delicious thing I've ever had. <laughs> and a, that's I mean, funny. It's just strange to be able to buy that stuff because even, yeah. even if you do manage to get a hold of money in the order, you're still facing the guilt trip of your parents telling you, well, you're buying unhealthy stuff that's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, They'll tell me, there's one person in the order who's, been, who's told me that bacon still is an, from an unclean animal and you shouldn't eat bacon. Hmm. And it's kind of... They need to read Mark chapter 7. Jesus declared all foods clean mm-hmm. in Mark chapter 7. So. Mm-hmm. And that's the New Testament too, mm-hmm. back to a conversation we had previously. Mm-hmm. So, so everything on the outside of uh, the, in the outside world you have discovered is not evil like they explained. But explain the evil of racism. That, you know, there is evil inside of those polygamy mm-hmm. groups, and racism is just one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, like, what was their attitude towards the race? Well, in their mindset, it all depends on person to person, because I have a cousin who, who, who used to be racist, and then when my grandfather died, he, he, he kind of took a good long look at how he was being so racist, and he realized, because my grandfather, Gra- Grandpa Carlos Owen, mm-hmm. He was the least racist person. He he was completely tolerant, and his favorite quote from the Bible was "black or white, bond or free." And I don't remember the exact quote, but that was the gist of it. He didn't care. And I remember when I was little, we would use the N word all the time. Like it was just like a like a conjunction in a mm-hmm. sentence. In was, in the group, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd we'd mock black people. We'd we'd make fun of Mexicans and and a- Asian people and pretty much anyone who wasn't white. And from Europe. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's I remember I, I used that N-word, and then that's... And then my cousin, he, he said, don't use that around me. And then I realized, and I was like, why? And he said, because that's not what Grandpa would have wanted. And even now, I still try to live up to his example yeah. of you don't you don't bring race in anything. Race has right. nothing to do with right. it. It's literally just pigments of melanism. That's all it is. Of, of that's melanin. all it is. And... and, and uh, we go back if you if you go back to the Bible, which they claim to teach biblical principles. Mm -hmm. There's only one race, and that's the human race. Mm -hmm. There's only one exactly. race, and we're all humans, and all humans are created in the image of God. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what color, or what stripe, or where they're from. We're mm -hmm. all made in the image of God, and mm -hmm. and God wants us to love us, love our neighbor mm -hmm. as ourselves. Yeah, they have had that racism. They had it really bad when I was there as well, and it doesn't sound like it's changed. Not at all. Any. But at least in my family, I've noticed that it's kind of slowed down. That's good. Heavily. That's I'm good. I'm really glad about that. You said, I want to talk about what happened to me. Uh, and so we want to tell your story. But you know what? We only have about three minutes left. Mm -hmm. And your story is going to, your per personal story is going to take longer than three minutes. Mm -hmm. So let's just lead into it and then we will do part two. And, right. and then finish telling your, right. your particular story. But uh, as we lead into it, was there a particular event or particular teaching that the Kingston Group uh, did that helped you or caused your decision to leave? Um, not necessarily. Well, technically, yes, but technically, no. Again, I, I was... I was um, I, I've been suffering with depression and mental mental issues my whole life, and around in the, in 2017 in February, I was like really feeling it because it was just really really rough for me that time of year. It's the you know it's the month of love and whatever, and I I had made some friends in school and I was always discouraged to be friends with them. And for a long yeah. time, I'd been doubting and like completely just like rejecting all the teachings. I've been like having trouble believing them since I was 10 years old. About the same time that the mental issues started, and at that time, I just went up to my friend and said, hey, can you get me someone that I can, you know, someday maybe become a, become a partner with, become, find like a girlfriend for me or a boyfriend or whatever. And they did. They came through when I met um, Ainsley White. She's here right now. She's the most beautiful person I've ever met. She's amazing. She's mm -hmm. sweet. She's kind. And that was like really what turned it for me because right after that I realized this didn't come from the order. Mm -hmm. The order is just full of it. And she's not part of the order. Nope. And and, and she's a sweet person. So people outside of the order, not just her, but obviously mm -hmm. her, can mm -hmm. be nice people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not evil. Like, she's literally the best thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And she's not part of the order. So if the best thing that ever happened to me wasn't a part of the order, yeah. how can the order be right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that it, we all have different ways of approaching that when we do leave because we are told and all the other polygamy group the FLDS and other polygamy groups are told the same thing mm -hmm. that the people outside of the group the only safe place to be is inside the group mm -hmm. uh, when the world ends it's going to end suddenly and if you're not in the group you're going to be destroyed with the rest of the world but but we're going to be saved and so on and so forth but mm -hmm. we we find out that that certainly is not true well mm -hmm. we're going to to wind down now on this one and then we'll tell your story of mm -hmm. of, of what you went through to leave um and explain why you left and how old you were and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I want to thank you for coming and I want to mm -hmm. thank you for, for having the uh, courage mm -hmm. and the willingness to share because it's important. If people are wanting to get out, they should be able to get mm -hmm. out. 
So we'll see you in the, in the next one. And we do thank Caleb for his story and that he cares to share it with others, especially those who maybe consider living, leaving a, a, their membership in a polygamy group. The, there is life after polygamy, an abundant life after polygamy. And we want to say that, um, that, to, that God doesn't care if you leave a polygamy group. Uh, in fact, he'll probably bless you even more if you do. So thanks for Caleb and stay tuned for part two as we discuss the story of his leaving. Thank you. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.